you remember the good old days when all you had to worry about was getting your homework done and getting home before curfew? Before you had to worry about jobs, projects, working, when you could long for a summer vacation and a winter break? Well, this is the podcast for when you realize that life can be hard. Hold on one moment. <sighs> Finally, he's gone. The last thing I need to hear is him plugging another podcast. Come take a listen to my show, Adulting Ain't Easy, every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. The following, the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 27 of Poor360, the show about topics. And the topic for this week is remakes. We are in the advent of where Disney deciding that they're going to take all of their previously done animated works and remake them in a live-action style. I use live-action quotes because it's still mostly CGI, which is a form of animation, to bring their works anew for a new generation. So we've seen a lot already. Obviously, I think the first one was Cinderella, maybe? But since then, we've had a slew of them. In 2019, we're having a bunch. Like, as you're listening to the note, you know that Lion King just came out, which was a big spectacle. And the fact that they call it a live-action film when the fact is there's no live things in it. There's not... It wasn't mo-capped. There wasn't people... Like, you can say that The Jungle Book, which is another Disney remake, was live action because there was a boy interacting, a boy on film that was recorded. may have been on a blue screens and all that, but then they kind of animated over him, or CGI'd over him with the animals that he interacted with. But The Lion King remake, which is just came out, or is about to come out, depending on when you listen to this, is no, it's literally they just did photorealistic animation of the world they're in, and I can say like Disney and the people they work with are really good at photorealistic animation. I just watched uh, Toy Story Four, which I thought was a a fine film. I thought it was um, the, the plot may have been somewhat unnecessary. Looking back on like it didn't, I mean it had a nice ending. I got a little choked up at one of the parts at the end, but. Just because it takes me back to... like I've been following that series of films since I was a small child. Now I'm a grown adult. It's just weird to see like a door like that close. But I kind of found it interesting because there are parts of that film where clearly it's animated toys running around. But some of the background shots and some of the stuff they did look like they could have just filmed actual objects. And then just animated over the top of it or CGI'd over it. And it would have made different. But they're getting so good at this animation. They're like... Let's really go with this, but... I don't know, I feel like Disney's getting a little power-hungry at this, and just... The remakes in general, like, we've seen... I remember seeing this thing that was kind of circling around of... The weird world living, like, saying, oh, is this the 90s again? Because, like, we had, uh... Like, Toy Story, Child's Play, Aladdin... Uh, what else was coming out? Sp- well, no, no, Spider-Man don't think count, but it just... We saw just a series of movies that are all remakes, reboots, sequels, and they're just like what, getting kind of inundated with them. And it's 
getting a little bit of an extreme. But they make all the money because people like to go with what's familiar. They go to something that, oh, I just saw Endgame, I need to go see Spider-Man. Makes sense, you like the series, keep going. Oh, I loved Lion King as a kid, I should go see this. Or, oh, I love Dumbo. Or, Disney's Aladdin was my favorite. Or, I remember Toy Story growing up. There's, just, there's always a reason, and this is what makes Hollywood go with safe choices. Sorry, that was my cat. I bet you're wondering, why, why is this worth a topic to discuss on this week's show? I remember seeing, basically since, just as I've been kind of a circle, I can see trailers for upcoming films. and Like, I remember recently seeing like a trailer for, it was Lion King, the sequel to Maleficent, or Maleficent, I don't know how you're going to pronounce it. The Angelina Jolie, where she's the evil queen from, I don't remember which movie. Either way, and then like you see... I was upcoming, I remember seeing the trailer for Mulan, and it seems like, in some cases, Disney is trying to do something new and different with their content, but some of the ones they do almost like a shot-for-shot remake do better financially. Like, I know Lion King, which is, from what I've heard, essentially a shot-for-shot remake with photorealistic and a couple new songs and all that, but for the most part, pretty much the same. Aladdin was pretty much a straight remake using, um, obviously live action, using a lot of cool colors, effects, all of that. But, like, we saw that Dumbo, which came out, and they kind of did a different take on the characters and the story a little bit. They went a little different direction, and that one didn't do as well as Aladdin, or as Lion King is expected to do. And then we saw a lot of people being upset when the first trailer for Mulan, which is... Mulan Disney princess story of a, a female who kind of uh, forgoes her duty as a woman in that time to join the war in her father's stead. And then, yeah, that's her whole story. But And she had like a little dragon and a cricket. And there was like a love interest. And she fought this evil guy. But in the remake, it's still kind of the same story. You have woman who forgoes her duties as a woman in that time goes to join the fight but there is no music there is no well there's no singing it's not a musical film there's no Mushu the little dragon dude or the cricket I don't remember which one's which either way there's a and it's kind of a zoom don't take it's gonna be very much a war film and I'm actually kind of excited for that I think people I've seen people rightly upset that they're like oh there's there's no Mushu there's no songs there's no love interest I'm not about it which I think is where it sends the wrong message. If you're sick of Disney making these reboots, remakes, when they make something that's a step in the right direction, step towards something new, because making a remake doesn't change what the original one was. Going to see the remake of Psycho that Vince Vaughn did doesn't change the classic one that Hitchcock made. It's still, it's still there. Like they could remake every movie you love. And they probably will in due time. We live in an age where people are going for the safe choice. And if it's rebooting, making a new child's play as opposed to uh, making a new film altogether, they're going to do that. Like, they see things that are remakes that are based on previous IP 
as just a safe choice. Just like, oh, this is perfect. People already like it. It tested good with our audiences with it when we proposed the idea. Let's do that. I don't know, that's just, I'm very conflicted because I very much, I don't think I've actually seen any of the live action. I think I saw Beauty and the Beast. I didn't see Dumbo. I didn't see Aladdin. I don't know if I'm just past the age of this. Maybe it's just because it's more kid-friendly. I'm not quite sure. I did see Toy Story 4, which doesn't help at all because I, I was with friends, but we were in a screening that was a lot of younger people. Not super young, but fairly young for like a weeknight. But I don't know. I, I enjoyed that film, but I had a connection to it. I don't know if I'd feel the same way about, oh, if they remade something that I really like I loved as a kid. I'm trying to think of a animated film that would... Do that for me. I'm kind of blanking right now. But we've seen the remakes. We saw how much people got upset when they made the Ghostbusters remake. Or not remake, kind of like a reboot with the all-female cast that had no connection to the story. And now we're seeing that the son of the original director is making a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2, which is uh, Ghostbusters 2020. Obviously coming out in 2020. Bringing back a lot of the original cast. Doing his whole thing there. So we're seeing... Hopefully... But I think people get... Offended when people make changes to something they love. But at the same time they can they complain about... Things that are a direct remake. Or how people complained when... Star Wars The Force Awakens was basically a rehashing... Of the plot points of... A New Hope. And then how people... The people who loved The Last Jedi because it was different, those people were upset that it wasn't, it was too new, it was too different than what they were expecting. It was too SJW, as uh, some would say. And you can't have it both ways. You either have to want something new and different, or you have to want something safe and consistent. There's got to be, I mean, there should be a middle ground. There should be a way to get Something that's familiar, but still pulls you in a new direction. Because that's what good storytelling does. It has to draw you in. It needs a premise that is good. Because everything that you loved at one point was new. It was something you'd never seen before. There was no roadmap. Yes, obviously there are people who can take... Oh, this was basically a, a loose retelling of a Shakespearean drama that never got adapted before. And I took this odd... I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting off track here. It's... uh. When you double podcast, and I've been podcasting so much this week because I'm getting ready to travel, trying to keep all of my thoughts together. I don't have like articles in front of me to talk about to kind of focus me, but it's interesting because these remakes and reboots that we're seeing are definitely drawing an audience. While like newly whole films, like so many more people went and saw the new Child's Play movie than saw. Another horror movie that came out around the same time, which was Midsommar, which I saw, which I enjoyed. It was creepy and just, but people knew nothing about it. People just all the like, I don't know what this is. People are like, movie tickets are getting expensive, and with Movie Pass, finally I think dying a horrible, horrible death, and a lot of people not wanting to do like A list because they don't have AMC and a lot of these other um, cheap movie ticket or like Movie Pass type setups aren't appealing to everyone at this point. So we're kind of at a weird impasse where 
people will choose to spend their money on something that they see as safe. Something that I'm going to enjoy this regardless. It's, it's like getting ice cream at your favorite ice cream shop. Because even if it's not the best ice cream you've had at that place, it's still good. As opposed to like, oh, I should try this new restaurant. And having the potential for a bad meal because you don't have any frame of reference for it. Which I think is kind of a good way to look at that. Because you might be blown away like, oh, I never checked this out before. This is awesome. Or you'd be like, oh, that was that was a mistake. And I think that's what we should, kind of how we should feel when we go to the movies. Like, obviously there's to be something to drive you in. Like, there's times where I've gotten through all the trailers that have played before a movie, and I'm more excited to see one of those movies than the movies I was there to see to begin with. And it's kind of unfortunate, but we have to, as audience goers, pay or speak with our wallets. Because if we're gonna, only going to spend our money to go see reboots, remakes, adaptions, sequels, all of that, as opposed to a new film, they're just going to keep giving us what we're paying to see. Which, for some of us, great. Like, let's go make another Batman movie as opposed to a new character or a new story altogether. But then, like, we've seen at the same time that they're making this Joker movie. Uh, Todd Phillips with Martin Scorsese and Joaquin Phoenix are making this Joker film. And they've come out and saying, like, this film, no way tied to the comics. We basically took the idea of a person who went through so much internal trauma and just so much problems happening and all of this stuff can turn a person a relatively normal person into someone who is the Joker or who is that type of person. And some people are upset by that, which I do so. Like I even said that, yeah, make this story, but it doesn't have to be the Joker. It can be any movie title, but they're using the Joker because the Joker brings with it an audience. Like I'm sure if they made the Suicide Squad and didn't put the Joker in it, it would have had a less audience turnout. Because people would always need something familiar. The trailers always featured the Joker and Batman, who's barely in the movie. They showed him in the trailer because Batman puts tickets in seats. Or puts puts people in seats. Equals ticket sales. So, obviously if it was a Suicide Squad, a bunch of characters you never heard of. With a villain you never heard of. I'm like, oh, why should I see this? It's like when people were really up, afraid that Guardians of the Galaxy, which honestly I've never heard of before the movie came out, knew some of the cast members that were in it, some of the actors, and I was like, oh, maybe we're seeing. It's Also, it's Marvel and it's Disney, so it's going to be okay. But And they turned it into a bankable set of characters that they pulled into a lot of their films subsequent to that. They were a big part of Infinity War and Endgame. And it's a big part of where they're taking the next trajectory, which it looks like they're going to space or out into the world. They're leaving Earth behind, or at least expanding out of Earth, which, yes, it's drawing people in. But I need to kind of focus myself, take a deep breath, and stop rambling. And actually, so I found something here. There's actually, um, Collider put a thing about all of the Disney's upcoming live-action remakes. So you notice the Disney, not content with the size of its Pixar releases, Marvel movies, or massive Star Wars universe, thanks to Lucasfilm purchase, have started making a 
its classic uh, animated films in live-action form. It also began with Maleficent, the pricey retelling of the Sleeping Beauty tale from the villain's point of view, with Angelina Joni taking up, taking on leading lady duties. The film was a size success, but instead of continuing to put twists on older films, Disney instead started straight up remaking them. Cinderella was revisioned as a lavish period piece by director Kenneth Branagh. The Jungle Book was brought to life by jaw-dropping visual effects courtesy of director John Favreau. Peach Dragon got a humanistic update via filmmaker David Lowry, and Beauty and the Beast was a mega-hit, grossing over $1 billion at the box office. And now with a winning formula, Disney has a bevy of other live-action adaptions in the works. With so many plates in the air, with so many different details to remember, we've gone through and created this here list that runs down the civic of each and every live-action Disney remake currently in the works. The post will be really up... Uh, it's just general clatter things. So, here we have... Lion King, which comes out... I guess it's not going to be out as you're listening to this. It'll be out in a few days as you're listening to this. Um, comes to the 19th. Directed by John Favreau, who directed The Jungle Book. And we will recently saw him as Happy Hogan in the Spider-Man film. Um, cast, a lot of big names. James Earl Jones returning as Mufasa, Donald Glover as Simba. And then you got Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen Billy Eichner, John Oliver, Alfred Woodard... John, Connie, and Beyonce. And uh, Chitty Agio 4 is not listed here, but he's playing Scar. Um, first, let's ask for the Jungle Book Disney enlist director John Favreau to put the same technical, technological wizardry to use on its new iteration of The Lion King. The project was run on Fast Track and was being developed at the same time as The Jungle Book 2, which Favreau also planned to direct, but the success of Beauty and the Beast is pretty easy to get The Lion King going as soon as possible. Hansen returns to compose the score in the film, include Sonic Stone for the original film, and includes James Earl Jones, Donald Glover, John Oliver, Billy Eichner, Seth Rogen, Beyonce, and all of them. We have Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which is a sequel to the original Maleficent, coming out in October, directed by, cannot pronounce his name, Joachim Ronning. It's the one where the O is, has like a, almost like a, uh, Theta, symbol. Um, starring Angelina Jolie, Elle Fanning, Michelle Pfeiffer, Harris Dick and Dickinson, Chia 2 Edgy 4 at screen, Robert Lindsay, Sam Riley, Juno Temple, and Leslie Manville. Well, not a remake per se, this is equal to one of the Disney's films that kicked off the trend in the first place. Um, it's been developed since 2014. Um, oh, and I guess the guy who directed this directed Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man Tell No Tales okay so it picks up several years after the events of the first movie there's the complex relation between Maleficent and Aurora who is soon to be queen then we have Mulan which comes out March of next year um the series of action of Mulan ruffled some feathers when a spec script surfaced that saw the titular character sidelined while a white knight took the lead it is great to assert that the specs was only intended as a starting point, and they intend to fill the cast with Chinese actors and actresses. Aeneas Mulan is Chinese, as actress Liu Wei was selected for the role. Rise of the, the Ape scribe Rick Joff and Amanda Silver are on the screenwriting duties while Disney approached Oscar-winning couch and target-hidden dragon filmmaker Ang Lee to take the helm. But he passed up some of this review set Whale Rider and McFarland USA helmer Nick Carroll to take the helm. Marking the studio's second film budget over $100 million to be directed by a female filmmaker after Ava DuVernay tackled a wrinkle in time. In the departure from the animated film The Villain of the New Mulan is a powerful 
which played by Gong Li, instead of Hun Invader Shan Yu. So, be a little bit different. We're also getting a Lady and the Tramp live-action film. Uh, with Tessa Tossum, Justin Theroux, Ashley Jensen, Kiersey Clemens, and Thomas Mann. The new Lady and the Rabbit will be a live-action slash animation hybrid, but the dogs will be played by real-life dogs. That's actually better. I think I prefer that to the, like, CGIing them completely. Um, let's see. The Philip Project set to blue exclusively on Disney streaming service Disney+, Plus, which launches in fall 2019, so it may not get a theatrical release. Okay, still good reason to see it. Then we have The Little Mermaid. Um, cast of art consists of Halle Bailey. Not Halle Berry. I know there's a lot of confusion when that came out. Melissa McCarthy, Jacob Tremblay, and Aquafina are the ones that have been announced so far. But they're still kind of in the work casting. Rob Marshall's directing it, so that's at least good caliber there. Though one of his work for a long time, it's finally coming together. Rob Marshall, fresh off the set Disney's Mary Poppins Returns, was set to direct The Little Mermaid while Zendaya was previously rumored for the lead role. It was instead announced that singer Halle Bailey is playing Ariel. Meanwhile, Musk are these and talks to play Ur- villain Ursula with Jacob Tremblay in line to voice Flounder and Aquafina set to voice Scuttle. Uh, original sc- songwriter Alan Menken is trained to compose and write songs alongside Hamilton creator and the Lindley... Ugh, sorry. Don't know why I'm having such a hard time talking tonight. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's a super fan of Little Mermaid, will also produce the film. Uh, the film will feature iconic songs from the original movie as well as new original songs. Production is expected to begin in early 2020, making it this, the imminent docket of Disney live-action remakes. We'll also have a Snow White live-action. Let's see, no casting outs. Mark Webb, who you remember directed the Spider-Man films. The Amazing Spider-Man films, not the original ones. Uh, Disney is developing a live-action update on its first live-action feature. Snow White and Seven Dwarfs screenwriter... Eric Crescendo Wilson penned The Girl on the Train. Was that to write the script in October 2016 when it was announced that La La Land and the Greatest Showman songwriters Ben Benj Pasek and Justin Paul would be writing original songs for the movie. <sighs> uh, Mark Platt produced Into the Woods and the upcoming Wicked. Some board of crews in 2019 set. Made by filmmaker Mark Webb to direct. We're also getting a Cruella film. Uh, starring Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Um, movies is going to be called Cruella, supposedly. Um, yeah, it looks like it's uh, yeah, I did tell me what it started as an early 80s set origin story with a punk vibe. So, young Cruella, which might be more appealing than a basically a live action 101 Dalmatians, which you've already seen that's happened when we were kids. Um, guess I'm doing a live action Pinocchio. That'll be interesting. Oh, it looks like Tom Hanks was at least at one point in talks to play Geppetto, which I think is probably right up his alley. Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I don't know if it will be happening considering what happened to Notre Dame, um, tragically, uh, a few months back. So, new adaption of the novel, music Josh Gad is on board to produce, no cast been announced yet. We'll see if anything comes of that. A Prince Charming movie. Interesting. Not heard anything about that. By telling the story of the point of his brother, hmm, 
revisionist take on the character. Okay. Oliver Twist. That would be a weird one. Ice Cube. We'll play Fagin. Interesting. James and the Giant Peach, which I think it was already an animated film, so that would be that would be an interesting one. This little the claymation type story we saw. So that'll be interesting. Tink, a uh, Tinkerbell movie. Interesting. A Peter Pan movie to go along with that. Um, Sword in the Stone would be kind of cool. Lilo and Stitch would be interesting. That's one they have listed here. Um, and that's the last one. Looks like it gets more and more vague as it goes on. Like Live-action Lilo and Stitch would be kind of weird. Pretty, probably really beautiful with all the Hawaii stuff, but I don't know. And I kind of um, skipped over the fact that about the whole thing that came up when uh, Halle Bailey was cast as Ariel in The Little Mermaid. And that caused a bunch of people to like freak out and the hashtag not my Ariel was trending for a while. And that's all kind of ridiculous. It's a mermaid. It can be any race possible. It's a fish person. I don't think they care about skin color. Skin color probably should be great because she probably doesn't get that much sunlight considering she's a fish person. But, hey, whatever. So, um, this is from We Got This Covered. It said, next week Disney's about to make its three for three with live action reboots in 2019. Which I've already talked about. Let's see. It really kicked up fuss online. Um... With Eliza Don Clover and Spider-Man Far From Home and Zendaya all leaving the defense of Bailey, who has been forced to watch a hashtag not my arrow campaign which shows before her very eyes. Fox to say the internet is divided. Um, here's some of the tweets. Girl, please. Some of us grew up with no representation like to appreciate all. I'm going to need you to chill with the not my aerial tweets and get with the times. It's 2019 and anyone can be a princess. Very true. There is really a whole hashtag not my aerial hashtag because the character is being played by a back... Ugh. Characters being played by a black woman in the live action movie... Uh, people, I could go on in the number of white actors previously cast as black ethnic characters, but please consider this. She is a fish. Agreed. Uh, there's no doubt Bailey's talent, but there are some who believe Disney's pushing forced diversity in its live-action movies. Then again, Ariel's a mythical fish and doesn't really belong to any one ethnic group. Um, I know people saying now if they cast Tiana as white, that's literally the only princess you can say because that's the only princess that is black. Versus how many? So, interesting. And then there's talk of Idris Elba or Terry Crews playing King Triton, which either of those would be good choices. And then I remember seeing, with all this talk of, like, people in uh, different race casting and all that, I remember people saying, like, um, there was a movie I remember seeing talked about where uh, people were criticizing Will Smith as being too light-skinned to play the dad of Venus and Serena Williams in a film. And that's even... because Both men are clearly black. Just be, they're, now they're just skin tone shading. Like, he's not dark enough. He's black, yeah, but he's not dark enough. It's literally, I don't know. That just seems a little ridiculous. Colorism matters. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's a little ridiculous. I don't understand why the skin tone... Like, really, with casting a lot of these, I think it should be 
Yes, that I know there's people upset. Remember when like Scarlett Johansson was did Ghost in the Shell or Yeah, I don't know. Seems a little ridiculous. People just seem to get bent out of shape and literally It's just a film. Honestly, people get so upset about casting. I remember people were so upset when um Robert Pattinson got cast as um Bruce Wayne slash Batman and then uh that new film that we haven't really heard much since. It's kind of died down since then. A lot of Marvel movies came out. People just kind of forgot. But people just need to see past the previous work, their skin color, and just look at them at the actor they are and just let them do what they want to do. And I think that's where I should leave this. I'm getting a little off track here. but And then we'll do it for episode 27 of Poor 360 covering remakes, reboots, all of that. So, that'll do it. I am Andrew Poor. You guys have a great week. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many others.